Hebrews chapter 12. Let's begin in verse 12. We read there a few weeks ago, but this will be some differing thoughts. I'm speaking to everyone tonight, but there are, but I, I, I find myself most concerned about a generation of people that are coming of age right now, very often, the so-called Gen Z and Alpha generation, whatever all that means. I find myself with great concern often, and I think rightfully so. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 says, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight the paths of your feet, so that what is lame may, be, may not be dislocated, but rather healed. By the way, this is telling you things to do. This is telling you things to do. Not, this is not things God is going to do for you. This is telling you things to do. There's a misconception in the church world that since we're saved by grace through faith, and that we walk by faith and not by sight, that, that we have no part in living for the Lord, and that's just, a, that's just a deception. It's a lie. You have a part in living for the Lord. Now, before you were, before you were born again, you, had, you didn't have the ability to live for the Lord or even the desire to do it. But you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, and you become empowered by His Spirit. But it's by, see, it's by grace we're saved, yes? Well, grace is that unmerited favor of God. It's, it's, it's that God doing in you, for you, through you, what you did not have the ability. Ability means power. What you did not have the ability to do for yourself. But when you got saved, you were saved by grace. Which means you now have God's power in you to do what you couldn't do for you before. And you have some responsibilities in your daily life. And he tells you to therefore strengthen the hands which hang down, the feeble knees, and make straight the paths of your feet. Well, we used to sing that from the earliest age. Be careful little feet where you go. Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. It's still really sound advice and scriptural instruction. Be careful who you hang out with. You ought to just say amen. amen. Be careful who you hang out with. I hadn't even read two verses yet, and I'm willing to tell you, be careful who you hang out with, because the old cliche is that birds of a feather flock together. Well, I'm going to raise them up. I'm going I, I, I'm to hang out with, with, with punks and thugs and raise them out. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. 
See, it's God, it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit that's in the saving business, and he uses the witness, and you can be a part of a witness, but you're not going to hang out with the crowd and bring them up. They're going to bring you down. I don't like that. It doesn't matter. It's Scripture. But Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he said, do not be deceived. That's a warning. That's a warning. He said, do not be deceived that bad company corrupts good behavior. So does the word say that you elevate the punk or the punk brings you down? You say, I don't like you using that word. What's the word that you understand? Hello, church. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good behavior. It doesn't say be enlightened that great character elevates thugs. It does not say that. The Bible says do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good behavior. Who you hang out with matters it matters pursue peace with all people we read this a few weeks ago pursue peace with all people who you believer pursue peace with all people and holiness that literally that conjunction links it to the pursue pursue peace pursue holiness Without which, no one shall say, see the Lord. Look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. Bitterness will cause trouble. Every time. And by this, many have become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. Keep that name in mind. Esau. Lest anyone become defiled like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Let me read that again. Lest you become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, he wanted to inherit the blessing. You don't get the blessing without the birthright. In, this, in Esau's case, you don't get the... I'll, I'll read to you in just a little bit. Esau was never upset about the birthright. He gladly gave it away for a bowl of beans. He was not upset about the birthright. He was upset about the blessing. <laughs> he was rejected for he found no place for repentance though he sought it diligently with tears for you have not come to a mountain that may be touched and burned with fire and to the blackness and darkness and the tempest and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the word so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore for they could not endure what was commanded and if so much was was for if so much as a beast touches the mountain it should be stoned or shot with an arrow and therefore and, and, ter 
And so terrifying was the sign that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. By the way, it's Jesus who is the mediator of the new covenant. There's but one mediator between God and man. Where are you, church? There is but one, just one. Just one. There's but one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Just one. And to the sprinkling, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than that of Abel. The blood still speaks. Listen, all of you, but young folks, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on the earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised saying, listen, yet once more I shake not only the earth but also heaven. Now this. Yet once more indicates the removal of the things which are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken shall remain. I'm going to tell you right now, may remain. I'm going to tell you right now, up front, that everything currently, right now, in live and in living color, is being shaken before you. The only solution, listen to me, the only solution, church, I don't care how good your job has been and how long you've been at it, I don't care how old you are or how young you are, the only solution to the time that we live in is to grab hold of that which cannot be shaken. That's it. That's it. We're in a tumultuous time. Verse 27, now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things which are being shaken as the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which many serve God acceptably with reverence and with godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. There's one mediator, and he's the only answer. I come just a few minutes. We're going to turn to Genesis 25 in just a second. I come for just a few minutes, young and old alike, to tell you something very important. There are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. 
Well, I know some people with a shortcut. I, let me look across this building. I don't see any children of billionaires in the room. Not a one. I don't see any. Anybody got silver spoons that are being born into people's mouths around here? Okay. There are no shortcuts. I'll let that stand alone. I'll say something up front here. As a spiritual matter, as a practical matter, as a living life matter, the only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. There's some, there's, some, there's some wisdom in this room. That would be those with some silver hair, even if it's under some, something else. I don't know. I, I shouldn't have said that. But, but the Bible says that, that the gray hair is the crowning. You know what it says. There's some wisdom in this room that I should say amen. The only place, the only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. There are very few, if any, overnight successes. Do you know what overnight success? Oh, you'll find one occasionally. They come out of nowhere. I, I, I look at that situation much like the, the, the gambler at the casino that won $10 million on a pull of the slot machine or on a roll of the dice or on a, on a hit me again, Jack. They're by far the exception. Y'all can cooperate anytime now. They are by far the exception. They didn't build those billion dollar campuses at those casinos because everybody's winning. It's because 99% of them are losing. I'm talking about everything that glitters isn't gold. I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about physical things. I am just talking about life. And everything that we, we've been sold a bill of goods. We've been told that the only success is, is after you're $200,000 in debt for a job that's going to pay you $40,000 a year and that you're never going to be able to pay off and that you might not even be able to get a home because you have $200,000 of debt and you don't have a good enough job to pay the college debt, much less to own a home. What are you talking about, preacher? I am telling you that everything that can be shaken is being shaken. I'm telling you that we listen to enticing words of men's wisdom for generations now, and we wonder how we've got to a place that for the first time in a hundred years that a generation is going to have less than the generation before them. And that we're still buying into it. There's no, the, the, 
there there is a way to walk right, to live right, and to be successful. And it is about knowing who your source is, who your resource is, and it's about living according to what he's laid out and knowing that there's only the only thing that cannot be shaken is that which was instituted by God. I've seen young people roll their eyes. I've seen them roll their eyes in this church. You'll find out. You can find out. I'll tell you what I've told my kids. You've got two choices in how you find out. You can listen and hear the word of God and take some advice, and you can find out the easy way, or you can find out the hard way. And the choice is yours. The easy way, you can say, I don't believe that my friends influence me at all. You're a fool for one. And number two, you can find out the easy way or you can find out the hard way. You can find out when they're trying to get you to run around and do stupid stuff the day you get caught and they don't, you're on your own. They're not going to come down to the police station and say, I was in on that too. Take me too. Call my mom and daddy. They're not going to do it. They're going to say, buddy, bye. Hey, when it, whenever, it's, whenever it's their weed in the, in the console, whenever it's their meth in the console, whenever it's their hydrocodone in the console, whenever it's, what, it's their whatever there is to do today and, and, they, and they get pulled over because you're running around with punks, they're not going to say, oh, it's mine. No, they're not going to. Make no mistake. Bad company corrupts good behavior. And whatever, yeah, what do you say, what? You say, why didn't you take your text from 1 Corinthians? Because I come by to tell you it through Hebrews that everything that can be shaken is being shaken. I'm telling you that there's no cheap way through life. I'm telling you, I'm going to talk to you about Esau in just a minute and over in Genesis 25 because they were, they were brothers. Esau and Jacob were brothers. They were twin brothers. Esau was the firstborn. He had the right to, even though it was just seconds apart in their birth, that Esau had the right to to the blessing and to the birthright. He was born first. Genesis 25, let's read it just real quick. And by the way, you're getting knowledge tonight, so you'll leave responsible for it. Young person, ignorance won't be a plea. In Genesis chapter 25, let's read it, 19, says this is the genealogy of Isaac. By the way, I was laying at home about to sleep this afternoon, laying before the Lord, my favorite thing on Sunday afternoon, and my eyes popped open, and I realized that I talked about when Isaac died this morning. Isaac's not Joseph's father. Jacob is Joseph's father. And I thought, man, see, that's what pride will do for you. I thought, man, that's a pretty good message today. And it was. And I got home about, you know, I was, I was right there. No. No, J.R. Jacob, not Isaac. Just thought you needed to know that. (laughs) Now this is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. 
Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as his wife, the daughter of Bethel, the Syrian, of Padom Aram, however you say these names, I, I never get them right, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived, and the children struggled together within her. They were at it before they were born. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, there are two nations are in your womb. There's a mom and dad out there that you're here tonight or you're watching later, maybe live, maybe later, and you're going and you're and you're wonder, you've wondering how you could raise two children in the same household with the same parents and, and the same influences in the same church and the same school and how one could be one way and one could be the other and you beat yourself up and blamed yourself for years for one that didn't launch for that got in trouble for whatever. Let me tell you something. Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the other shall serve, the, and the older shall serve the younger. Children are individuals too, mom and dad. Listen to me. You raise them right in the fear and the admonition of God. You give them everything that they, that they need to, to live for God. But there's going to come a day when they have to choose whether they're going to serve God or not. It says, when, the day, when, her days of her, when her days were fulfilled for her birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And, when she, and, and the first came out red, for he was, like, he, he was like a hairy garment all over, and his name was Esau. And afterward, his brother came out, and, he, and his hand took the he, Esau's heel so that he was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them, and the boys grew. And Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Boy, I don't even got time to tell you that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Man, that ought to be Scripture. So when their days were, so now verse 29, now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me some of that red stew for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, how many of you know the children of Israel will fight in the Edomites all time? Who's the children of Israel? By the way, that's the children of Jacob, the twin brother. Esau came in from the field. He was weary. Verse 30, and Esau said to Jacob, feed me some of that red stew for I'm hungry. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Now, Jacob, was, uh, Jacob means surplanter, deceiver. But Jacob didn't deceive anybody right here. He told him straight up what he wanted. I, this is what I come to tell you. 
I kind of t- there's no shortcuts. Immediate satisfaction can destroy you for the rest of your life, young person. Hear me. Seeking after an immediate gratification, an edification of a carnal need in the moment can destroy you the rest of your life. There's no shortcut. The man ought to have cooked his own supper. You got to understand some things. What birthright and blessing was about. This is a, you want to talk about material wealth and prosperity. His daddy had it. This is the patriarchs: Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaac is their daddy. Their daddy had it. And Esau was to get it because he was the firstborn. But Esau was hungry and he wanted something right now. Right now can destroy you. Somebody help me. Right now can destroy you. Verse 32, and Esau said, look, I'm about to die. Now keep in mind, he hadn't been out in the wilderness for 40 days on a hunger strike or fasting or nobody, nothing had him held out there. Yeah, I'm sure he had breakfast, in fact. Come on, you're not hearing me. Look at what he says. He come, he's been out hunting for the day. He skipped lunch and now he's hungry. Look, I'm about to die. Anybody ever said that? Oh, uh, yeah, I got to get me something to eat. I'm about to die. I say it all the time. So what? I'm hungry. So what is a birthright to me? Short-sighted. Short-sighted. Immediate satisfaction. He's a young man. He's not thinking about when daddy dies down the road. He's thinking about I'm hungry right now. Boy, there's parents and grandparents that ought to be saying yes, amen. And Jacob said, swear to me this day. So he swore him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. The problem came when it came time for the blessing. When it came time for the blessing. Now when the time time for the blessing Jacob pulled some stuff. And Rebecca helped him pull some stuff. They plotted, they plotted with an old man. See, Esau was hairy like an ape. You've seen him at the water park. <laughs> You've seen him. Like wearing a wool blanket everywhere they go. Bless her heart. If that's you, I'm just kidding. 
I mean, I feel bad for you, but I'm, I'm not making fun of you much. It's not personal, let's say it that way. <laughs> Jacob went and got some skins of animals and covered his arms. And that's a, when you can go get a lamb's wool and wrap it around your arms and go have your daddy feel you. That's some stuff, y'all. That's a hairy dude. Dad's like, Esau, is that you? <laughs> it's me, Dad. It's in Genesis. <laughs> what am I talking about? You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about there's no shortcuts. Success in life, listen to me. Success in life comes with spiritual success first. Oh, somebody help me. There's a there's generation sitting here that need to know that if you let's say you become a millionaire and you die lost. You traded eternity for a bowl of beans. What I'm trying to say is that junk don't mean beans. What I'm trying to say, you know, pintos are cheap. I think they're still cheap. Has our government found a way to blow up all the pinto farms? So the, so the people that can't make it to payday are starving? I'm only about half cynical. Because there's things going on on purpose. I'm going to tell you something. Things are being shaken. And everything is going to be shaken. So that that which cannot be shaken. There's only one thing that cannot be shaken. That is the things of God. Amen. I told you this morning that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. Under the call. You want all things to work together for good, you better learn, fall in love with Jesus. Amen. You want to watch you meant for evil, God meant it for good, you better walk with God. You talk about, you're going to be, the Bible says, lest any root of bitterness and a fornicator comes because they were like Esau, who for the price of a bowl of beans gave it all away. And he wanted to change his mind. There are decisions that you will make in the moment of carnality that you will never be able to change your mind even though you bawl and squall and beg. Seeking the easy route or going with the flow, going along with the crowd. God, help us. Listen to us. Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, we got to help because when they, when they see us in constant pursuit of things that don't matter eternally, they're learning from us. I have to repent of some things in my life. I, I've demonstrated things like that to my children in the past. Where it was about things. The best things in life aren't things. Things are temporary. They come and they go. It's funny because if I continue to read in Hebrews, you'll find just past what I've just read, he tells you, that I'll never leave you. 
I'll never forsake you. See, the things that cannot be shaken are eternal. The things that cannot be changed, there's no power on earth that can change them. They can throw you in prison and he'll still be there. They can try to starve you to death and he'll still be there. They can separate your head from your body, put a bullet between your eyes, beat you to death. All those things happen. And guess what? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He'll still be there. He'll still be there. These things are temporary. They're just for a moment. They don't matter. I'm trying to, maybe poorly, I'm trying to tell you that the things that are important don't come cheap. The walk's not easy, but it's worth it. Sometimes he gives you the grace of failure to be able to reel you in. Can I take that turn just a second? There's people that were caught in terrible things, that was the grace of God. Oh, I don't think, I think I took such a hard turn that you don't even understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about the results of your own choices. Most of our lives are the result of our own choices. Most of our circumstances are the result of our own choices. Uh, Sometimes we're done too. And put upon But most of our life is the result of our own choices. I can tell you right now, there. sometimes the worst thing that can happen to you, see, I went and told you I was going to be just a minute, and you know how that goes. Now I'm coming, you know I'm good for another 30 if I walk off stage. Oftentimes, the worst thing that can happen to you is to get away with something. The best thing that can happen to you is to get caught. And the sooner, the better. Somewhere along the way, see, there's nothing that inflates pride and ego and, 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 and solidifies your rebellion like some kind of perceived success, like you're getting away with it. Sometimes it looks like, most of y'all, y'all don't even know. You ever heard of a guy named Bernie Madoff? By the world's standards, he was a gazillionaire. It looked like he was a crook. When it was all said and done, he was a crook. He made billions in Ponzi schemes taking people's money for investments and never investing their money. He was stealing from them. It looked like he got away with it for a long time. It looked, it made him a very, very, very rich man. A man that died broke in prison. 
that children killed themselves after everything fall apart. He had victims that were just as greedy as him because they knew something was awry. There's no way to make that kind of money off legitimate investments. I'm trying to talk to somebody. I know one. I knew one personally. I knew a lady that I'd done her daughter's wedding that 30 years ago that the flower bill was, was about $600,000 and the food bill was $1.5 million that they bought the country club out for the week, that, that there were a 1,000 guests at, at $150 a plate 30 years ago. We're talking about real money. We're talking about a wedding, just a wedding that's five, six million dollars that the guests left and were A-listers in a little old town in Arkansas. And I done stuff for the lady's house and everything. I mean, it was, she, she made her money legitimately, but she, she got greedy. And when Bernie Madoff got caught, she was in the middle of a $6 million bill for her new home. The last I saw and talked to her, seen her, her $6 million home was on the auction block because she lost everything when Madoff went down. She was living in a rented apartment at the grace of one of her friends that had a little money. And she was working at the cosmetic counter at Dillard's. Though sometimes the worst thing that can happen to you is to get away with it. For a while. And mom and dad telling you that sin's no fun and lying to you. Sin can be a lot of fun. I'm talking to, I'm talking to you. Sin can be a lot of fun. Don't be afraid to admit it, Mom and Dad and Grandma. Sin can be a lot of fun. For a little while. For a little while. The Bible says that the pleasures, if the Bible can say it, then we can. The Bible says that the pleasures of sin are for a season. That word is chosen very carefully by the Holy Spirit. The pleasures of sin are for a season because seasons come and seasons go. You one thing you can know about a season, it's going to change. And what was once fun becomes your destruction. I'm sure Esau slept well on that bowl of beans that night. my prayer to God every single day of my life. See, I'm disturbed. I, 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 I'm upfront about I'm disturbed about things because we're looking at the world being shaken in ways that's never been shaken before. You've never seen, you have never seen anything like it and people are basically unfazed. We're basically unfazed. The media is silent. The politicians are liars. Things are in terrible conditions all around us. If you don't talk about it, if you don't cover it, then it's not real. But there comes a time when there's a reckoning. 
when it can no longer be hidden, it can no longer be not talked about, it can no longer be, it can no longer be. And that's the time when the boys are separated from the men, so to speak. Talking about spiritually. I'm talking about fluff from substance. I'm talking about when what your faith was in will show. When everything that you had confidence and faith in is gone. We find out the things that can't be shaken. Mom and dads aren't real. And they're still pursuing. You say, you're hard on us. No, I'm not hard on anybody. I'm trying, I'm doing everything desperately. Even with myself. Do you understand that I, that I talk to myself often? That I stand in this spot and talk to my, that I have to weed through every day. Is this important or is this not important? Is this, does this count or does this not count? There's not much. You're going to have to realize there's not much that counts. Church, there's not much that counts. And there's not many you can count on. I'm not teaching people to be cynical. I'm teaching you to be real about if it's not grounded in the Word of God. If it's not biblically true, then it's a facade. It's a mirage. It's a lie. It's a carnal gratification. It will not stand the shaking. It will not because it cannot. Jason and Katrina, I pray every day that God would pour out his spirit in a, in a student ministry. Because church, I have tried, there's things I haven't preached and said at Mag yet because my heart is not right to preach it. We've got to have a church that, is, that begins to be, that let the fire of God fall and respond to the things of God. Because if it doesn't move you, it will never move them. It will never, they're, they're, they're screaming for something real. Listen to me. They are screaming for something real. They don't believe that the things of God matters if they don't even move you. They don't. If they don't hear, if they don't ever see a cracked Bible, if they don't ever see hot, salty tears, or hear the cry of a mom and dad's heart. If the only time they hear Jesus is on Sunday and maybe Wednesday, they don't believe you. Right. If you're unmoved, they're unconvinced. Brandon, it's always been this way. It's why Paul says it can't be with enticing words of men's wisdom. It has to be with, it has to be, it has to be with a demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. It has to be. There has to be a demonstration. Hello. 
Y'all, I'm not trying to bash our skulls or, or any. I'm telling you, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, the only thing that's going to wipe that snarky, knowing smirk off of their face. Anybody know what that looks like? is a living demonstration of what's true. For when God moves powerfully, that comes from commitment and prayer and a demonstration in the home and in your life. I have, I'll stand right here and tell you that in the years of my life, particularly years back, I failed. I'm going to look at you and tell you, I failed my children in areas that I'm talking about. I, it, my mama didn't fail me. I heard, I heard my name being called in prayer from the back room when she says, I'm going to my room, don't bother me. I, go, I went to the thing. We rate, listen, there's something that's lost. I, <laughs> Lord, you may want to make sure that door's ready over there in just a minute. I grew up in a world where everything was, was, was around the church calendar, period. Period. Now the church calendar has to adjust to everything. I told them back in Desert, I said, I know when deer season is. I know when duck season is. I know when planting season is. I know when harvest season is. But I just haven't found out when God season is. Because we moved everything for the things of God. The football coach and the baseball coach, and I happened to be in the band director, knew that if you were still having band practice at 6 o'clock on Wednesday, there was going to be a line of cars. I could still see it. There was a line of cars that pulled up around the practice field. You know what that was? That was moms and dads coming to pick up their kids because they were going to church. Huh. I'm just saying it. I'm talking about the things that cannot be shaken. Y'all, if 2020 and 2021 didn't teach us anything about what can be shaken, my God, what is it going to take? My God, what is it going to take? My God. But you know what I read? That everything that can be will be so that that which cannot be will stand. We're in the shaking. The shaking's not over. Getting caught was grace. There's been times in my life that utter failure. I've told you about that. I've told you about the day that when you live in a place where everybody knows you. Let me tell you something. In western Arkansas, everybody knows J.R., my wife will testify that that's true. When everybody knows you and they see those slick, flashy vehicles on the bank parking lot side by side. Everybody knows you. When your businesses have somebody else running them, everybody knows you. 
Whenever people come after you with all the force they got, when you're already down trying to destroy you, everybody knows you. And you know what it was? That was hard. That was hard. You know what it was? It was the grace of God. It was the grace of God. It was the grace of God. But humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due season. See, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And when you don't, when you don't humble yourself, when you don't do your job, he'll do it for you. And to live through it and become out a different person is the grace of God. There's been great preachers that had terrible failures that were exposed to the world. Some of the most crushing exposure that's ever happened to, that people could live through. And guess what? It was the grace of God. When a king named David, the king, the most powerful man in the world, had a prophet come in and, and describe a situation where, where the, somebody that had it all took from somebody that didn't have anything. That, that, where David, because David had taken a man's wife and had her husband killed. And, there, and comes in and describes a situation where you have a guest and you have a man that has flocks of thousands. But he, instead of taking out of his flocks of thousands, he takes from a man that has one lamb. And kills the man's lamb. He said, David, what would you do? He said, I would kill him. I'd kill him. And the prophet said, you are the man. Do you know what that was? I'll tell you what that was. That was the grace and the mercy of a living God. Who brought a man that would establish his throne. David's failures were great. His throne is still established forever. Why? Because of the grace of God. I might just mention on the way by. The reason all that happened with David. Because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh I don't mean he got just something randomly it was like a drive by shooting or anything. Oh I mean the Bible says that it was in the time of year that the kings were at war. The time of year the kings went to war. David didn't go to war. David went to the, the penthouse. I told you at the outset, there's no shortcuts. There's no time to advocate. There's no, mm -mm. there's no seasons where you can, I'm trying to shut up, but not too hard. Somebody needs to hear me. I don't even know if they say it anymore. Oh, that boys will be boys. Boys may be boys, but if they die in that, if they get killed out sowing their wild oats, they're going to be just as dead and just as lost. Just as dead and just as lost. Not just for a little while, forever doing their own thing, sowing their wild oats. Boys being boys. Girls being girls. Mm -mm. No. <coughs> Thankfully, you're still here. Your kids are still here. 
You know what else? That means you, that means you still got time. And that still means that grace is still being poured out. That still means that, means that mercy is available. That means that means that you can repent and everything turns. That means that you can become a new creation in Christ Jesus. It means when, 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 now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, today. Today, today, today. Parents, this is how things change. This is how all of it changes. This is how all of it changes. One family at a time. One church at a time. One town at a time. This is how it works. And you know what? Ultimately, I can pick on Cat and Jason. Youth pastors, you should put everything into the word and prayer and praying for a move of God. That's who you're called to be. That's important. That's, I'm not dismissing. Happens one church at a time. But you know what? Ultimately, when it comes down to it, you're responsible for him. And you're responsible for him. Listen, you know what, Pop Pop? You can have an influence in his life, but you're not responsible for him. You can have, say, you can reinforce, but you're not responsible for him. You know, you know who's responsible for him? Boy, that's a big load. You. I mean, a tall load. That's a tall load. Her? You know who? You. One family at a time. One child at a time. Ultimately, that's what he charged us with. And we've got to start telling them. I've, I've, gotten really, I've gotten really attracted to telling the truth. When you sell out the truth, you don't have to remember answers. You don't have to back up. You don't have to apologize. And you can know who's on your side. And it's going to be okay. Stand with me all over the house.